0: Wouldn't it be real boring if the band just played one note over and over and over? That's all they did for the 20 or so minutes that they were up here, just one note. Doesn't that get annoying? It's like water dripping on your head. But they don't do that. They don't just play one note over and over again because we would all leave and say, when you're done, let us know and we'll come back. They put notes together like this. Isn't that a lot better? Yeah. That's Bruce Hornsby from the 80s. Anything else from the 80s I might recognize? Yeah. Wow, I'm just going to sit down out here and we'll. (laughs) That was good. What else? What else you got? Isn't it much better when you put a lot of notes together and it's just not the same thing over and over and over again, doing that note over and over and over again. What what if every week you showed up and I did the same message, you already know what's going to be next week. It's the same thing as this week. And last week was the same thing. And the week before was the same thing. It wouldn't be long if I kept doing the same thing over and over again till you said, man, read a book, you know? (laughs) Listen to a CD, do something because it's driving us crazy. Just the same thing over and over and over again. We don't do that. We try to present different relevant topics to people. Some people live their lives doing the same thing over and over and over again. Thinking, if I do this one thing, if I can just get to this one thing in my life, then everything's going to be better or I'm going to be happy, if I can just achieve or buy or get or snag that guy or that girl, whatever it is, if I can just get there, then my life is going to be happy. So people live their lives just the same over and over and over again. It doesn't make a lot of sense when we were created to live this full life. The Bible talks about over and over again that God has a plan for every person and how he wants us to enjoy life. If you read through the Bible, you'll see very quickly, God's plan is not for us just to do the same thing over and over and over again or look to that one thing that we can achieve to make us happy. God wants us to play music with our lives. A lot of people live their lives doing the same thing over and over again without ever experiencing life the way it was meant to be. In John 10, verse 10, if you could wrap your mind around this one verse that Jesus said in John chapter 10, your life would change. If you could wrap your mind around it and and totally grasp the meaning of it, just one verse, if you got nothing else out of today, you get this one verse And know what it means, your life will change. It's when Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and have it to the full. The same thing over and over and over again, thinking you're going to find happiness there or fulfillment there is not going to be a full life. So in this series called Mosaic, this is the third week of, I've been talking about the path to that full life. Because a lot of people who claim to follow Christ and say, yeah, I'm a Christ follower. I follow him. A lot of people who make that claim, they don't live a full life. And then people who are not Christ followers, they definitely don't live that full life. But as you read through the Bible, there are clear ways, clear ways to get there, It's not a three or four step process to say, well, if I do these three or four things today, then I'm going to have that full life. It's about a journey. And then I've noticed the people who grow spiritually, emotionally, relationally. And I've noticed that somehow those people have figured out a way to get off that one note they think is going to make them happy and make music. Somehow they figured it out. And in this series, I've been talking about making little changes day by day, changing your habits little by little, and then one day stepping back and seeing the masterpiece that God can create in your life through discipline, through habits, through doing something different today and then something different tomorrow, and then putting all those things together. And then one day stepping back and realizing... I'm growing. I'm a different person. I'm not the same as I used to be. I'm getting along through life better because of these habits. We're calling them spiritual disciplines. Now, I know that title doesn't rock your world and make you sit up with your pencil and go, yes, spiritual disciplines. How motivating. But God asks us to practice, not in a legalistic kind of way, but to practice Habits that will help keep us close to Him. In the book, The Life You've Always Wanted, John Ortberg says this about spiritual disciplines. A spiritual discipline is any activity I do by direct effort that will help me do what I cannot now do by direct effort. So there are things in my life that I'm unable to accomplish now that if I would just do what I can do now, I would be able to get there. You may not feel the full life Jesus promised right now, but he's saying, if you experience it little by little, piece by piece, one day you'll be able to be there and accomplish that which you may not be able to accomplish right now. So as I was putting this this series of messages together about spiritual disciplines or, or, or habits, I thought, I want people to leave every day with something they can do. Not in a way that burdens people down, but in a way that frees people up to say, you know, if I practice this on a regular basis, my life is going to be different. Nothing that burdens you down with rules or something you have to do, but if I can convince you to begin to practice some of these things, you will experience freedom like you've never experienced it before. You'll experience that full life that Jesus talked about. And I thought, what if I could motivate people to actually participate? So the first week, I gave you something very tangible that you could do. We had the life journals available out of the info booth. And if you ordered one, they're out there now. If you want one, go by and take a look at it. It's a great way to get into God's Word and begin to read what He has to say to mankind. And I said, if you do that for a month and it doesn't work and you're not different, nothing's changed in your life because you've gotten into God's Word, bring it back, give it to me, and I'll give you your money back. Money back guarantee. What else could you get? Last week, I talked about rest. And I thought, if I can just convince people that they should rest, that they should just disengage, take some time, kick back, and just dump everything out of their minds and really, really rest. And I talked about some different ways you can do that. And I thought, if I can get people to rest, that's going to be a really big task. If I can just convince people that, that, hey, go out this week and take a day of rest like God wants everybody to do. So I thought that material, that message would be the hardest one to deliver to get people to do until I started to read about and research about what I'm going to talk to you about today as a spiritual discipline. The next thing that's going to get you off of that one note, the next thing that's going to make your life... Start to make more sense. The next thing that's going to reveal God's will to you in a way it never has been before. So the third habit or discipline is fasting. If you want to get off that one note fast, then fast. Fasting, here's just a a definition of fasting we'll use. It's denying my appetite to better concentrate on God. Now, most of the time, when you read about that in Scripture, that has to do with food. But it could be something else in your life. And as I read through the Scriptures again, just to see what God has to say about fasting, I found a few things And If you read through the Bible, just get a concordance, go online, type in fast or fasting, and read through all the Scriptures that have to do with that, here's some things you'll find. You'll find, number one, that fasting is just assumed. It's just assumed that followers of Christ fast. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 16, Jesus is giving what's called the Sermon on the Mount. He's giving life advice to a large group of people. He's giving them advice on how to treat each other. He's giving them advice on how to forgive. He's giving them advice on how they should think, on how their marriages should be. He's giving them life advice. And in that life advice, in chapter 6, verse 16, he says this, these three words, When you fast... He could have said, You must fast. You must deny your own appetite to focus on me. He could have said, If you choose to be a person who fasts, if you make that a choice, he didn't say that. He just assumed that we would need to deny our own appetites from time to time and focus on God. So in the Bible, fasting is just assumed. Also, in the Bible, fasting had a purpose. It has a purpose. And you might think, why fast? That's weird. Go without food, don't eat. My goodness, have you ever had the Billy Baroo from Moses? I mean, what do you mean, don't eat? I don't get why God would say, go without food. You start to read the Bible, you won't read long at all through the first four or five books of the Old Testament, and you'll see that God's people got rebellious, And God's people found themselves in Egyptian slavery. And then finally God heard their cries and God sent Moses to deliver them. So he delivers them. He takes them out of Egypt and they're out in the desert. God's guiding them. He performs miracles. He opens up the water so they can get through. He closes it back off again so their enemies can't chase after them and destroys all their enemies. In the daytime, so they knew where to go, he provided this big cloud so they could follow it. At night, it was a big pillar of fire so they could follow that. And then it came time to feed these million plus people They couldn't carry enough food to feed themselves. So what God did to feed them was at night, this stuff would fall from heaven literally and be on the ground. It was a miracle. God fed them. So they walked out that first morning. They're probably thinking, what are we gonna eat today? We're already out of food. And there's just stuff. But they don't know what it is, so they use the word manna, which means what's that. Literally, in Hebrew, they walk out, what's that? That's what they name it, so you want some what's that? It's good, you know, have some what's that. God took care of them. And God said, go out in the morning and gather all you want, but you cannot keep it overnight because it will spoil. So if people tried to keep manna overnight so they could have like a manifest the next day, I guess, they couldn't do that because it would spoil overnight. What God was trying to do through the 40 years of providing them food in the desert was teach them to trust Him for everything. They had no control over it. They just walked out. They're in the desert. There is no food. There's not enough to feed all those people. So God just miraculously sent it down to earth. They used it to make bread. They boiled it. They did all kinds of things with it. But God used those 40 years of providing that food source, that manna, to teach those people to trust him. Then they get into the promised land. No more manna falling from heaven. No more what's that out in the yard. They're finished with that. And great as the promised land was, they didn't have drive throughs They didn't have Chinese restaurants. They didn't have things where they could just zip in and grab some takeout and go home. It didn't work that way. If you ate in that culture, you either caught it killed it, skinned it, picked it, or you bought it from somebody that just did that. That's the only way you got to eat. There were no restaurants to go hang out at and order food. You got it because you went out and got it. So then it didn't take long for food to become a really important part of their day. So the first thing they did when they got up, what are you thinking about? You're thinking about, I need food. I got to go kill some food. I got to go catch some food. I got to go pick some food. So they began to think about food over and over and over because if they didn't take care of it, if they didn't think about it, they didn't eat. And it wasn't long till they were searching for food instead of searching for God. That doesn't mean that food's bad, it just means they were beginning to fill their stomachs and their lives was something other than God. I mean, I, I don't think about my food that much. I mean, I just, I'm hungry, and I go eat. I usually don't plan out, like, I'm going to eat here this day, and then, oh, boy, I'm going to go here. I just, hey, what, what do I feel like today? Mexican, Chinese, you know, good old hamburger, what is it? They had to think about it, and the more they had to think about it, the more it became their focus. Enter Enter fasting. Enter God saying, you need to take a defined time and you need to stop focusing on what fills you up physically and focus on what can fill you up spiritually. Fast from that which has the potential to consume you. It might be food for you, it may not. But God says, fast from that which has the potential to consume you. So before kings went into battle, they fasted. When people wanted to hear from God and get some clarity... They fasted. So in the Bible, it's not if you fast, it's when you fast. Now, maybe at this point you're thinking, okay, I was with you on the Bible study. Got that. On the rest, love it. You know, love to take three, four days a week to rest. But do without food? (laughs) Not eat? How could that possibly get me closer to God? It's not about the food or whatever it is you put in your life instead of God. It's about our tendency to look for answers to things in some other place. It's about preventing us from living that kind of life that's just the one note over and over and over again. That's what fasting is about. It's about removing the stuff in our lives that can take the place of God. For some people, it's food. Especially in the first century it was food, and in biblical times it was food. So you can understand why God said, when you fast, don't eat. Fast from food, because it consumed them. What consumes you? What do you find comfort in that's not God? That's what you need to fast from. Like I said, for some people it is food. Here's how you can tell if you're placing food or anything else in place of God. How many of you eat when you're stressed out? How many of you when you're down when you're just not feeling good you eat? I stress eat. If you see my waistline go out you're going to you'll know. Donnie's under some stress. He's not handling it well. When I'm stressed there is nothing like a bag of peanut M&Ms. I stress eat. Maybe you stress eat. Stress eating means if that's you that means that I'm looking to that for some comfort for some stress relief. Where should I be looking for comfort and stress relief? Not M&Ms, not chocolate-covered almonds, but God. Nothing wrong with those wonderful, innovative ways to present food, but when they become the thing I get my comfort from, I need to fast from that. I need to step back away from it and think, you know, I don't need to get my comfort from this. My comfort needs to come from God. That's why Jesus said, when you fast, because he knew our tendency to put those things in our life. When I fill myself up with those things, I have less room for God. None of those things, whatever they are, whether it's food or technology, your cell phone, your computer, your hobby, whatever it is, none of those things can fill you up. None of those things can take the place of Of God. So Jesus said, when you fast, when you dedicate a time to remove those things from your life so you can have more God in your life, Jesus says, God will honor it. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. All the things you're chasing after by hitting that one note, that one note, that one note, he says, You seek me first. Seek me first, and you'll have a way different perspective on those things. Fasting is getting spiritual results from a physical decision. After Jesus said, when you fast, he said this, don't look somber as the hypocrites do. They disfigure their faces to show men they're fasting. I tell you the truth, they've received their reward in full. They wanted people to know, we're fasting, look at us. Oh, we look terrible. I know, I, I, I look Do I look hungry? I probably do look hungry. It's because I've been fasting. Jesus said, they've already received what they wanted. They wanted recognition from people. I worked with college students for 12 years on a couple different college campuses and they're peculiar people sometimes And at that age and we're sitting around this campfire in South Louisiana and we're having this real serious time and I'm talking about humility and, and, and what it means to be humble and this guy, I kid you not, this guy said, I'm the most humble guy I know. And I was like, okay, that, that's not, you know, I'm not communicating here. You know, something, something's not coming across the right way. If that's what you think humility is. In Isaiah 58, the longest passage about fasting in the Bible, God's people were like that. We're the most humble people we know. We fast better than anybody. God, look at us. Look what a great job we're doing fasting Look how hungry we look. Look how mournful we look. look how skinny and how, look at our dark circles under our eyes because we haven't eaten, God. Look at us. And God was not pleased with that type of a fast. And God said this in Isaiah 58. After he said, what's in a sense? Are you kidding me? <laughs> you think that's fasting? He says in verses 6 through 9, no, this is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them and do not hide yourselves from relatives who need help. Then your salvation will come like the dawn and your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then when you call the Lord, He will answer. In other words, true fasting is redirecting things off of me and my desires and what I think fills me up, and it's turning that towards something else, towards God. And God is saying, if you were really fasting, you would be concerned about somebody other than yourself. If you were really fasting, you wouldn't think life was just all about you. You wouldn't just keep hitting that one note over again going, that kind of sounds like me, 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 me. He said you would look out and you would see there are people that have needs. You wouldn't just be looking in yourself. You'd be looking outward. That's the result of true fasting. It takes the focus off of me and it puts it on God. There's other needs in the world besides yours is what God is saying. So, when I choose to fast, when, here's some things that happen. It helps me refocus my life. It helps me change my focus. In in John 6, verse 35, Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry and who believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus said that after he had miraculously fed 5,000 people with a little bit of bread and just a few fish. He performed a miracle and he fed these people and their bellies were full and he was trying to communicate to them Your bellies might be full now, but you'll be hungry again. I am what fills you up. He was trying to communicate to them, yes, you're full. You've got your fill of food. I'm what fills you up, not not this, not this one thing over and over. That's not going to fill you up, not whatever you want. It's not the house you want, the car you want. It's not the thing you're chasing that's going to fill you up. Jesus said, I will fill you up. The M&Ms aren't going to fill you up. I am. What fasting does, it helps me refocus off of the things that I've consumed myself with and I've filled myself with, and it helps me focus on God. It helps me pay attention to the things I need to pay attention to. Sometimes my wife will talk to me, and I don't listen. And she might say something twice, and I still don't listen. But then there's that moment where I kind of lock eyes with her, and she's like, Are you listening to me? Because she knows that there's all this stuff going around in my mind that may not be bad stuff, but she knows he's got to dump all that out and stop that before he can listen to me. That's what God is asking us to do by asking us to fast. Listen to me. Take some time and dump all that other stuff out you filled your mind up with and listen to me. Refocus your attention off the things that grab it and deny your own appetite so you can hear me. Fasting helps me refocus. Fasting also renews my spirit. When I get all depleted, when I get worn out, when you get all depleted worn out, you might look to something else other than God to fill you up. And like I said, it may not be a bad thing. It might be a good thing. But when it comes in place of God, it's time for... A fast. Jesus said, Matthew 5 or 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. If you hunger and thirst for God to fill you up, He will. Not only will my spirit be renewed, but my soul will be renewed. By denying my appetite to better concentrate on God, it will renew my heart and it will change my desires. In Psalm 37 verse 4, it says, Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Great, does that mean I get anything I want? He'll give, me, he'll give me what I want? That's not what that says. It says, delight yourself in the Lord, and the desires of your heart will be put there by Him. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Also, fasting helps reveal. It reveals what's in my heart. If you've ever said to yourself, I wish I knew why I felt this way. I wish I could understand why I feel this way, why I act this way. Fasting can reveal that to you. But when I'm filling up my hurts, my stress, my questions, my fears with with food or something else, then God can't reveal to me what's really on my heart. It'll never come out. Because you're putting something else on top of it that can't get you the answers. If you go to the doctor to take a physical, the day before your blood work, what do they always ask you to do? Fast. Fast. Drink water, fast. Drink water, fast. Don't eat anything because they know that if you fast for a certain amount of time, it's going to clear the toxins out of your body so they can get an accurate view of what's inside of you, what's in your blood, what may be good or may be bad. If you get all those toxins out, they can see a lot more clearly. And the same thing happens spiritually When we fast, those toxins, those things that really mess up our life will start to come to the surface. The things we've pushed way down and covered up with stuff, all of a sudden when I remove these things I'm finding comfort in other than God for a short amount of time, then all of a sudden those toxins start to come to the surface. And that's when you can look in the mirror and go, oh, I know the answer. I'm a jerk. (laughs) Or I know what's wrong. I'm greedy. I'm filled up with lust. I I didn't know that. When you Deny yourself the things you're finding comfort in for a defined period of time. God will reveal to you answers that you'll never get any other way. Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So when you fast, not if, when you fast your life will be changed. There's things in your life that are confusing that you've been unable to get past because you don't do what Christ just assumed all of His followers will do. And if you're not a follower of Christ, you're here, so obviously you have some interest in learning more about this. Fasting will help you get to know who He is faster than anything else. So, First week, I gave you a challenge of Bible reading as a discipline. Second week, challenge of rest as a discipline. Today, challenge of fasting as a discipline. There's a couple ways you can fast. One is from food, just don't eat for a day and say, okay, over the next 30 days, I'm going to pick a day and I'm going to fast and I'm going to see what God does through that. I'm just going to drink water, whatever, and I'm just going to fast for that day. Now, Medically, some people can't do that. Maybe food's not your problem, but there's something in your life that you're finding comfort in other than God. Whatever that is, your TV, your hobbies, whatever whatever it is, take some time over the next 30 days, take a day or more and fast from it. And God will do something powerful in your life. Read through all these scriptures I've given you you didn't get them all down, just my email address is on the back of the program. Email me and I'll email you everything that I just read through today. Take some time, fast, read through those things. It will refocus your mind, it'll renew your spirit, and it'll reveal your heart in a way maybe it never has been revealed to you before. As I was putting this message together and I got to the end, the one thing I just kept thinking was, gosh, that sounds like church. You know, it's like It it sounds like everybody's in church if I'm talking about fasting. But, well, this is church. And we are about helping people transform their lives. So if it sounds a little weird to you, that's what the Bible says, and I'm compelled to teach it. Jesus said, when you fast... And I'll tell you, when you add fasting and these other disciplines, reading your Bible, the other discipline of rest, and what I'm going to talk about through the rest of this series, and you put all those things together, and then you step back and take a good look at your life, and you're no longer playing the one note, you'll see a masterpiece. Give God that opportunity to create that in your life, and He will.